scripture focus for today is found in the Gospel of Luke. So I invite you to stand as we read our Gospel as we get going. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 11th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. This is the gospel of the Lord. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he had finished, one of his disciples came and said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. Jesus said, when you pray, say, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I think the introduction is the most important part to any book, movie, or paper. I remember when I was at Hillsdale College, my English class, we spent three weeks alone on writing an introduction because it brings you into the story, it brings you into the narrative, and tells you what the paper is about to do and what's about to happen in it. There's plenty of times where I've watched a show that's not a great show, you know? It's, It's pretty badly made, but I'll watch more episodes just because the introduction is really, really good, right? And it caught my eye. I think it's no different with the Lord's Prayer, that the opening tells us something about what the Lord's Prayer does. And specifically, uh, my assertion is that the Lord's Prayer actually does something, two things. It reminds us who God is, and that reminds us who we are. Which is why this opening kind of confronts me. Who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Another way to say that is let your name be holy. This is the God who is in heaven, the God who has angels and archangels, cherubim and seraphim, forever praising his name, saying, holy, holy are you, Lord. Right? This is the God who spoke and galaxies came into existence. The God who created all manner of plants and animals, trees, the earth as we know it. What confronts me about this opening is that God's name, whether or not I pray this prayer, God's name will be holy. That whether or not I pray this, God's name will truly be holy. So why do we pray this prayer? I think it has to do with those first two words. Our Father, right? We're not coming to him as one in 7.85 billion people, right? We're not coming to him as just another creature. We're coming to him as his children, right? We're invited to come to him as his children. And just as I got my last name from my parents, so we're also given God's name, holy. He calls us holy as his children. And that changes the way that we act. To illustrate this, I want to tell a short story. So I, when I first got to St. Louis, I, I was finished my first sermon and, and my parents had come down to come see it. And, and I remember my dad, he came and, and he was almost in tears when he came up to me afterwards and he said, your grandpa John would have been so proud of you. I never knew my grandpa John. He died when my dad was very, very young. But what I did know about Grandpa John was that he was a deacon at the church that he was at. That day in, day out, he would go to serve God faithfully where he was. This is his cross right here. And I wear it as a, as a reminder, a heritage, a, an heirloom of what the Sturgis name means. That imperfect as we are, that we go in to serve God faithfully day in and day out. And, and somehow by me being up here, somehow by me serving God, that honors the family name. 
And I think it's the same reason why we pray, hallowed be thy name. Let your name be holy. The prayer is that God's name would be holy among us. That by our words, our deeds, our actions, right? That all of that would bring honor and glory and praise to God's name. That somehow in the midst of that, that we would bring God glory and honor. Let us pray. Lord, let it be so. Let your name be holy among us. Lord, as we go out into our weeks, Lord, you have placed your, then your name holy upon us. So let our words, our deeds, and our actions, let all of those praise and glorify and honor your holy name that we would be able to magnify and people would look at us and see you in your name. Amen. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he had finished, one of his disciples came and said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. Jesus said, when you pray, say, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When I was much younger, I played a lot of video games when I was a kid, but I wasn't your typical Call of Duty, Fortnite type of kid. I loved strategy games. And the reason I did was because I was a history nerd. But I loved them, and most of the time, these games would involve you taking over a kingdom, right? And your goal was to make the biggest, the best, and the greatest kingdom of them all. And so whether through conquest, whether through wars, whether through building a great culture, or, or maybe building great buildings, you were supposed to become the kingdom that everyone else wanted to be. And this is what exactly came to mind when I heard the phrase, let thy kingdom come. Because there seems to be a lot of kingdoms out there waging war on God's kingdom, or going against God's will. Whether it be the kingdoms of the world that are nations, that even though God's established their authority, they'll make laws that seem to go against God's will. Or may maybe it's the kingdom of culture, where they'll argue whether or not God even exists, right? They'll say the things that God prohibits, it's okay, just go after what makes you happy. That's the purpose of life. And then there's the kingdom of evil, where all we have to do is open up our news feed to see another atrocity committed, another broken family, another school shooting, another kid hurt. And then there's the kin kingdom of me, where there's times where I'll pray, thy kingdom come, but really I want my kingdom to come. I pray thy will be done, but I really want what I want, God, not what you want. There's all these different kingdoms that seem to war against God's kingdom and, and, and seemingly, seemingly whichever one looks the best or is the best at the time, that's when we go after but we have to realize something here along with, kind of like with hallowed be thy name. Whether or not we pray this prayer, God's kingdom is going to come. Whether or not we pray this prayer, God's will will be done because he is God and I am not. Right? But the beautiful part about it is that God's kingdom is not built on war and bloodshed. God's kingdom is not built upon influence and power. No, God's kingdom was established in the manger. It was established on the cross. It was established by an empty tomb and it was an kingdom that was upside down, that rather than taking life away, it gave life. It gave renewal, restoration, right? That God's kingdom offered hope and comfort to a broken and hurting world. That this is the kingdom that God is bringing about. So when we pray, let thy kingdom come, we're asking God to allow us to be used in that. And isn't that amazing that God, even though he's bigger and more powerful than any of us can even imagine that he wants to use us to work that kingdom out. 
that he wants to, us to be a part of proclaiming this gospel, that we would be a light to show the cross, to show forgiveness and hope to a broken and hurting world, that this is what we, we are praying when we say, let thy kingdom come. Let us pray. Lord, let it be so. Let your kingdom come, Lord, and let my kingdom and the kingdoms of this world and all these other kingdoms, let them go. Let your will be done. Let my will be yours, God. That this kingdom, this gospel kingdom of restoration, reconciliation, and transformation might sweep across the world, that we would be a part of proclaiming your good news, your comfort and peace to the hurting and broken, that we would see chains broken from sin and addiction, and that your transformation would sweep across the world. Let us be a light to point to the empty tomb and the hope that your son has given to us. In your name we pray, amen. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he had finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. As John taught his disciples, Jesus said, when you pray, say, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. There was a time, I think I was in second grade, but I remember that there was a time when I said a mean word to a friend. Now, why this memory sticks in my head out of all the stuff I did as a second grade boy, I don't know. But I just remember feeling so guilty about it. It literally kept me up at night. And I, I, just by the fact that I remember this, probably can tell you how guilty I felt. And all I remember is I entered, entered in my mom's room around midnight, and I was sitting there crying, saying stuff like, do you think God will ever forgive me for this? And she's, meanwhile, she's thinking in her head, like, if this is the worst that we have to deal with, we're pretty sad as parents. The reason I think it illustrates something, I think that there's a difference sometimes between saying I'm sorry and asking for forgiveness. I think that there's times where if I say I'm sorry, what I'm looking for is a that's okay or don't worry about it. True repentance is humbling. Because what it requires me to do is it requires me to sit there and think of all the things that I've, all the wrongs that I've done for this person and admit them and then submit myself to their mercy, asking them for forgiveness and trusting that they'll think that I'm actually going to change because of it. True repentance is humbling. And I think that there's times where in confession, I'll actually go to God saying, I'm sorry and looking for a that's okay or don't worry about it so that I don't have to change. I think I look for a that's okay or don't worry about it from God sometimes rather than asking for true, coming with true repentance and asking for forgiveness, right? And it, because when we come before God, it's pretty humbling when we actually come before God repentant. If we think about it, we just prayed, thy kingdom come, but how many kingdoms do I chase after every single day, every single week? We just prayed, thy will be done, but there's so many times where I chase after what I want rather than what God wants. The desires, the greed, the lust in my heart, the pride, I chase after all of these things. God has given us this amazing name of holy, but how often by my actions and my deeds do I profane God's holy name? True repentance is humbling. But on the opposite end, the beauty of it is that when we come before God, we don't have to worry about whether forgiveness will be offered, right? Because God will always offer forgiveness. Because the same God who provides for our daily bread, who provides for all our needs, food, shelter, work, family, right? Is the same God that, is, uh, that will provide for our spiritual needs as well and provide for forgiveness when we need it. 
if us as sinful human beings can forgive other people, how much more will our good and perfect and gracious Heavenly Father forgive us when we come to him in repentance? And not only will he forgive us, but he'll restore that relationship. He'll call us once again holy, loved, redeemed, and forgiven child of God. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he had finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. Jesus said, when you pray, say, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us from evil. It's been argued, and I, th- I think correctly, that this one phrase sums up the entirety of the Lord's Prayer. So as we reach the end, the conclusion of the Lord's Prayer, I think it's good to reflect upon what the Lord's Prayer does and how it can be used during the week. As I said, I think the Lord's Prayer reminds us who we are and reminds us who God is. And I think this is so important because so often during my week, I take on different names and different titles and I need to be reminded that I'm God's child. Right? I take on the idea that the failures that I have during the week when I fail to wake up to, to work out, right? or when I mess up at work, or when I hurt somebody else, right? I take all of those on. I need to be reminded who I am, forgiven and loved, and God's child, and that he is my good and gracious heavenly father. And while I think this is the title of the Lord's Prayer because Jesus taught us to pray it, I think it could also be called the child's prayer because it's a prayer of the child of God as they come before their heavenly father. Because what else can we pray when we face the evils of this world? Right? When we look out and we see the evil that's there, the sin, the brokenness, the addiction, right? The hurt and the pain. What else can we pray? We realize that we cannot take it on ourselves. We can't fix it ourselves. All we can do is come before our Heavenly Father who can do something and pray, deliver us from evil. And that one phrase also points us forward. As we look forward to the time when God's kingdom is fully established, when it's fully on earth, death, sin, brokenness, evil, they're no more. He will wipe away every tear from our eyes. And as we look forward to that, we pray, deliver us from evil. Come quickly, Lord. And it also gives us our purpose. Reminds us who we are as children of God. That in this world, God's kingdom is there to break those chains as the church moves out, right? And it's there to bring that life and that hope and that comfort to the world. And so we pray, deliver us from evil, Lord. Use us as you will. And I think this is the beauty of the Lord's prayer. In that it contains everything that we would need to pray. And that daily, I've found myself now reminded of who God is. That he's a good, gracious, heavenly father. And I am his holy, beloved child. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have given us the name of holy. That you have placed upon us. And Lord, let us, by our actions and our deeds, our words, let us make your name holy, Lord. Let your kingdom come among us, that life, hope, and comfort of your son be present among us, that we be a light to show the empty cross and the empty tomb. Lord, give us each day our daily bread, both our physical and spiritual needs, Lord. And whenever we mess up, Lord, forgive us of our sins. For to no one else, Lord, can we turn. We can't turn to anyone else. For you alone have hope and life and comfort for the world to give. And to you alone, Lord, is the glory. To you alone is the honor. To you alone is the power forever and ever. Amen and amen.